In a society that is so focused on accomplishing tasks, being productive, and is involved with several activities, it can be difficult to cease all these things to rest and relax, let alone teach it to our students. What does observing a Sabbath look like in real life? Do we know how to fully disconnect from work and rest? I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Glad you're with us today on this episode, and this is part of a two-parter that we're doing on the Sabbath. So the last episode we talked about what is a Sabbath. If you didn't hear that, that's really important. A lot of times you can listen to these as standalones, but I think uh, listening to this together is really good because we we talked about what a Sabbath really is. And before that, we did a couple episodes with students about um, stress and anxiety, and we tried to give an overall flow to these several episodes together thinking about that and the connection between the Sabbath as somewhat of a, a solution to the issues of uh, stress and anxiety. So check those out, and uh, this episode will be really important. The next episode, Jason, what are we talking about? We are talking about church commitment. Students committed to the church, committed to youth group. Are they committed? Is the trend going down, up? What is the student commitment to the church overall? And we asked students, we've got some, some data we're going to be sharing where we asked several thousand students their thoughts on that. What do you think about how committed are you to the church as compared to your youth group and vice versa? Some interesting numbers, and we're going to be looking at that. But before we go on, we always mention what's happening with Claim Your Campus 2020. That's an event that's happening next summer on July 4th weekend. There's information on the website, claimyourcampus2020.com. There's also things happening on our Facebook page pretty much on a daily basis with updates, videos, different things happening. We've had some videos really get out there and get, we had a video recently got shared, oh man, like 1,500 times, something like that, um, talking about the difference that prayer is making in schools. This event, Claim Your Campus 2020, is to help students bring change to their campus. That's what we're going to help them do. We're going to unleash this generation of students to go and to bring change to their schools at Claim Your Campus 2020. And you can hear that and think that this is an event only for students, but we really need adults a part of it as well. And you may have heard the term adult advocate in the past. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of period of time, you have heard the term adult advocate. And you may also hear that and go, that may not be for me. But if you have some sort of connection to a school in your community and you even care about that school, we want you to go online and become an adult advocate and sign up that school so that that school and the students that go to that school can be able to go to the the event and, and participate. And so we really are looking for adults to join us in this and not just think, oh, that's great. I'll send some students. It's it's for adults as well so that we can get the students there. It's a moment to mobilize a movement. That's the phrase that we've been using. It's a moment together with this generation to have them meet with God right in the middle of the country in Kansas on July 4th weekend. That may sound crazy. and You may think, why would I want to give up that holiday to do this? And I would say this, why wouldn't you? There's so many of us that are sensing that we're not going in the right direction as a nation and that we're looking at this generation of students and we're seeing all that they're bombarded with. 
And this is the time for us on our nation's holiday to say, what better way to celebrate our nation's holiday than to take it before God in prayer and let our voices be heard before the throne of God and to this generation that we support them, that we believe that prayer really can change a campus. We're going to be equipping every student that goes to this event to bring that change back to their school and to see a student-led prayer group and the gospel being shared in every middle and high school in America. You need to be there. You asked the question, why not? And why not join us? The thought comes to my mind of what significant July 4th activity have you done in the last decade that you can point back and go, that was worth being a part of. This is the event that you need to be a part of. It's not the barbecue and the parades and dressing up in red, white, and blue. Like that stuff is insignificant compared to this event. And so why not sacrifice one of your holiday gatherings out of all the years that you gather and join us for July 4th? Yeah, so we want to see you there next summer. July 4th weekend, 2020. You can learn more, claimyourcampus2020.com. Also look at the Claim Your Campus Facebook page and just join the stream of information that's coming out. If you want to do something right now, we are trying to build a prayer team for this event. And you could really help lift up this event in prayer by going to claimyourcampus2020.com. If you see in the upper right, you'll see a tab that says get involved. You click on that, it says join the prayer team. We'll be sending out prayer updates and reminders, but we want you to be praying with us. This will be a significant moment for our nation, and we're excited um, to be a part of it next summer. All right, let's get into this episode today. Let's talk about Sabbath. And I was reminded how Sabbath really got on my radar significantly was about four years ago. I'd been thinking about it. And we did some stuff that summer in NTS camp where we talked to students. In fact, I remember we asked, and this, was, this wasn't like hard numbers, but I remember asking by show of hands throughout the summer, uh, the host would ask, how many of your, you and your families practice some kind of regular Sabbath routine? And it was about 5% would be my estimate of students in our camps. Now, these aren't, aren't all believing students, but, but that, that really opened my eyes. Then at the end of that summer in 2016, went to Israel. Something interesting happened. We got there on a Friday afternoon. We landed in Tel Aviv. We took the 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 drive, I think it was about an hour and a half, into Jerusalem. Um, but we were delayed because we waited at the airport and our luggage didn't come through. And, you know, it was one of the dumbest things. I know better than this, but I didn't pack any clothes in my carry-on, and neither did my wife, Arianna. We didn't have anything other than, you know, our book bags with books and laptop or whatever we had in there. So we get to our hotel. It's Friday afternoon. We're checking in and we're saying, hey, you know, we've got luggage. Maybe it'll come in tomorrow. The next day we didn't know. And and our and, and the guy at the front desk said, listen, if you want to get clothes, you need to go right now. He goes, you need to literally run up the street, get to the market because it's Friday night and Sabbath starts at sundown. And if if you don't get there now, you're not going to be able to get clothes until at least by Saturday night, probably Sunday. So you're going to be literally wearing the same clothes. So we we literally ran <laughs> down the street. We got to the first store that we could find, and the guy was literally closing the door. And I remember I stuck my foot in the door like a, like a good salesman would, and the guy was like, man, I'm sorry, we're closed. And my wife pleaded our case. She was like, listen, we just landed here, and our luggage didn't come through. And he's like, oh, come in, come in, come in. And, and very quickly we, we – um, 
bought some clothes for the next couple of days. Ironically, I found a shirt that said Michigan on it, uh, of all places in Jerusalem. Um, so bought her clothes, and and then at Sabbath, I mean, it was like a ghost town. This is like, you know, a metropolitan, um, world-renowned city, Jerusalem, that just shut down on a Friday night, and it was like crickets. I remember getting up on Saturday morning in our hotel and standing outside on the balcony, looking over Jerusalem on Saturday morning, and I could literally see four or five people within, like, I could probably see, you know, several blocks from where where I was, two or three blocks from being up up uh, higher in the, in the hotel outside. And they were walking. No one was driving. I didn't hear anyone talking. It was just a couple people. It was, like, dead quiet. It was the weirdest thing. And it was so stark in contrast to the world in America that I'd grown up in where, you know, it's just accelerated more and more, busier and busier, more and more stuff going on, more stuff we're packing into our lives. And here we are on the other side of the world and nothing was happening between Friday night and Saturday night. And I think there's something in there for us to consider is how do we interpret Sabbath in a modern day society? Well, I hear your story and at the moment that you stick your foot into the door and the the salesperson is like, we're closed. Okay, we'll come in. And I think of I Am Legend and you're just watching the sun go down. Yeah, that's right. Like he's watching the sun go down. He's like, you got to pick yeah. your clothes out really quickly because <laughs> once that sun's the down, zombies are the zombies out. are coming out and I can't help you. Yeah. You know, I, I'm locking up. And, and it, so. it was urgent. The guy, the guy was like, all right, come on and hurry up. And we did it really quick. I mean, we bought two, three sets of clothes in like five, seven minutes and we're out of there. And then, uh, and then as we were walking, you know, we saw a sign for a store that said open 24-6. You know, we, we chuckled at that. And that, obviously, they're not trying to be funny. That's just that's, that's the, the reality. Is. Yeah, that's how they live. And and that's even that's even made its way into secular society over there, you know, not just religious tradition. but And, and you know, growing up, I came from a family that um, I saw us loosen our traditions from the time I was younger to growing up. It used to be we didn't ever eat out on Sundays. Our family, we just didn't do it because you're spending money and you were causing other people to work. And then every once in a while, like I remember, I think it started with me because I would go out with my friends on Sunday. My parents never really did that too much. They, they always ate at home on Sundays, but they'd let me go out. And at first I remember they didn't really want to do that. Um, but then like Sundays for me growing up, I'd play sports I was playing football I played basketball every Sunday if it was warm out me and friends were were doing that my wife's family uh, a lot more strict um Sundays were not a day where they were really even allowed to play because you know her my wife's parents were raised where you know on Sundays they they weren't allowed to like go jump on trampolines we joke about that like hmm. Sunday's not a jumping day it's a day <laughs> of rest and um tire out your legs yeah that's right so so the you know we we kind of have uh, some similarities but i saw my parents and my family ease up on that but i think now we can look at something like sabbath and go well it's it's so legalistic you know i mean what are you going to do you're going to not do this you're going to make a list and you see that in scripture you see a, a lot of detail when it comes to the sabbath in in the old testament especially and i think for us we have to to stop for a minute and go, you know, not all, this may sound really weird, but not all legalism is that bad. Mm -hmm. 
I think there's a definitely a bad and a dangerous side to it, but I think there's also something of saying, these are our parameters, these are our barriers. You know, we wouldn't say that with sexual temptation. We wouldn't say, well, we're not going to be legalistic about it. I mean, just, you know, go with the flow. And we wouldn't say that in other areas like sexuality, but we do it with the Sabbath. We go, well, we're not going to be legalistic, but I don't think it's so bad because as we talked about in the last episode, Jason, Sabbath is a disciplined it's not something that comes naturally, even though it's built, that we're built to live in that rhythm. I think this is one of the commandments, like you mentioned again in the last episode, it's easy to look at all the commandments as non-optional except for Sabbath. We look at Sabbath and go, well, you know, we can bend that one a little right, bit. I right. think we need to take a different look at it. You're absolutely right with the barriers on that we live by as, a, as God's people as those who are following Christ and saying, these are the guidelines that are set before us. And when you talk about legalism, it's like, well, this is for protection. This is so that we are set apart and, you know, be holy as I'm holy. And, and yet we are so loose on what he has set before us for our protection and a guide to go, this is how you should live. We're like, ah, it's really, I don't want to be too legalistic about that. And it's like, well, no, it's the, it's part of the law. And so follow the law and that's not necessarily legalistic. Now you, you mentioned like all the things to do and not do. And you need to go, well, maybe your, your parents reasoning for going out to dinner is like, well, I don't want to work and cook a meal. So why don't we go out? Yeah. You, you know, can that, look at it the opposite you start to too. look at that way. Yep. And that's where you'll find, it's like with any law, uh, laws are funny. And, the, the, you know, the one thing we learned from Paul in the New Testament is that the law is only good as the people that obey it. Right. That's how I would summarize a lot of Paul's teachings. The, it's like any contract. You can sign a contract with somebody, but if that person's a scumbag that's not going to follow through and they don't have any integrity, it doesn't matter what you have written in that contract. It's all dependent on the character of the person. We know God's character is perfect. When it comes to us, I think we have to we have to remember that balance. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus was picking grain. He healed on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. different examples. And, and the teachers of the law were quick to go, you know, and they had the the, the bad legalism, you know, yeah. where they were like, hey, you can't help people. And, and Jesus was like, listen, that's, you know, it's about the heart of the matter. It's about our hearts before God. And wanting to do the right thing. Sabbath is for man and not man for Sabbath. Going, yes, I am technically in your mind doing work on the Sabbath, but Sabbath itself, the rest, is not for us to abide by legally in such a way that's like you have to do this. It's like a burden. Yeah, it's it's the the spirit of the law instead of the 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 letter. Yeah, the letter of the law. So it is. It's it's as we talked about last time. It was a gift. It's a blessing, not a burden. That's how we need to look at the Sabbath. But it is important. And so we want to look at some questions to consider. Because we're talking about how do we live this out in our modern world? How do we help students? You know, we've been talking a lot about what it is. Let's bring students into the mix. I, I, what I hear is what I've found is that uh, either something that I'm ignoring in my life or haven't learned about, whether I'm aware of it or not, that that's there's ignorance on my part or something that I'm struggling with. That's a lot of times what I find is hard to teach about. It's hard to stand up in front of people and say, you need to be disciplined with your money. 
when I might be struggling with discipline in that area. Or, you know, you might step and say, it's important for you to be disciplined and have a time with God every day when I'm struggling with that. So it tends to go to one of two extremes. And I think when it comes to Sabbath, I really think a lot of the reason, I think there's two reasons why it's not being talked about uh, in general and with our students. Number one, we're just ignorant. We're not thinking about it. It's not in our radar. We've kind of forgotten it. You know, mentioned this earlier. It's the most ignored sin in the church, in my opinion, It's right the culture now. creep. You know, it just yep. culture creeps in, and we start to fade away from our memory of what it actually should be. Yep, and we're we're bowing to culture rather than creating it. We're going to be talking about that in future episodes. But So I think either we ignore it or it's because we're breaking it. And because we're, we don't feel like we're a good example, we can't stand up in front of our students and talk about it. And I want to challenge you to really grapple with this in your personal life. And as a parent, as a pastor, as a youth worker, where where's this area in your life? And and you might not be batting a thousand here, and that's okay. Doesn't mean you shouldn't let that keep you from addressing it, talking about it with your students. So let's talk about some questions to consider. One of the questions that I ask is attending worship service as a part of the Sabbath practice. Is it necessary? Uh, one of the questions I asked off air with you is, is if I wanted to do uh, a hobby, say I don't play golf, but golf would be a, an example. I want to play golf and my tea time is Sunday morning at nine o'clock and I find it being really restful to play golf. Is that allowed to play golf and skip church? You know, it's, it's one of those things I think a lot of times we assume, well, yeah, the Bible says you need to take that day and really focus on God. Now, we find that in Scripture, but I think as we're looking through, as I was looking through, the majority of Scriptures talked about Sabbath purely in the context of rest. Now, we do find, like Le- Leviticus 23 says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. And I think that's important. It is a day that we need to assemble and get together. And, and I think that is part of the Sabbath. Uh, biblically, it's not just a day of rest. It's also a day of devotion. It's a day of focus. It's a day of of saying, God, I'm going to focus on you today and um, really set this apart, not just for me, but also for you. And I think part of that is that assembly. And I think I remember hearing someone years ago, a pastor of a very large church, and he said, of the hundreds of people, that he had talked with, that had fallen away in their faith. He said every single time, think about this, he's talking about hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. He said every single one of them, it all started with them stopped regularly attending worship services. He said every single one, it all started with that. Every story was, man, I'm in this place now, I can't believe I'm here, and, and you know, I just, I got busy, I quit going to church, or it didn't become a priority, started doing this, whatever. And it all pointed back there. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that we need to consider um, how big of a priority attending worship services. Here's what we know. Barna just changed their research recently where they they define a regular attender of church. They went from twice a month now to once a month. And I think what's happening is our culture within the church has lost the Sabbath and we've stopped being salty in that area in culture. And so because of that, we as believers are more and more stressed out. And we're taking our cues about 
what our days are defined by from the world rather than from the word. We relax on the Sabbath, relax as in relaxing from going to church and, and feeling like that's a need. We relax on the importance of it and it's caused us to slowly creep away from it. And if you are away from church and gathering of other believers for a week, two weeks, you know, you come back and you're like, okay, I didn't really miss much, but you start adding more of those on. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, what's I've, I haven't really feel like I need to be back. So yeah. I kind of enjoy this time that I have in the morning on Sundays for my own sake. Yeah. So why should I go back? And then you're not connecting with other believers. You're not hearing the truth of God's word being preached. You're not worshiping God in, in as a, a community and a collective a set of people and and all of a sudden your heart is starting to turn away as well yeah. and so back to the pastor's point every single incident of those who have fallen away come from starting with walking away from the church and i want to get in the weeds here for a second jason and say this that that as churches sometimes we accommodate to this culture and i'm going to give an example and this is my personal opinion and i've talked with some pastors and it's not popular and i don't offer my opinions much especially if i know it might not be uh, received very well, but I'm going to talk about live streaming for a minute. We live stream our services, and I know there. I was just talking to a leader. I was speaking at a church a couple weeks ago, and the leader's like, "Man, we our church has such a love hate relationship with live streaming because you feel like you have to. Number one, because everybody else is doing it. If we don't do it, you know, we're not going to be keeping up with everyone else, and they can just watch somebody else online and then become disconnected." They go, you know, for shut-ins, people that can't make it, I totally get that. But we've offered live streaming, and what that's done for people is they've said, well, I'll just, you know, I'll watch it whenever. I'll watch it later today. I'm going to sleep in today. It's been a, a tough week or whatever. And I think, again, it goes back to that discipline issue. We go, well, you know, I'm just going to let it slide this week, and I'll just watch it online. And I'm just saying, I just, I don't believe... Uh, most churches are benefited, if any, from live streaming. I think there's too much negative for the benefits. You start to accommodate to those who are away on vacation. It's like, well, we know that you're away. It's special. You That way allows you to still keep up with what's being taught. And then it, it's, it's just creeping into other people's livelihood of, well, it's available online. I don't need to show up today. I don't need to go through the rigmarole of, getting my entire family out the door so might as well stay in and then the options there but the option is less likely to be engaged with yeah. i believe yeah and, and i and i would go back and say this you know if you're a pastor listening to this it'd be interesting if you brought it up in a staff meeting or in a discussion in the appropriate environment on your staff to say why do we live stream and what would happen if we didn't? And here's what I've learned from having a lot of this conversation asking. We do it out of fear. That churches do live stream a lot of it. They do it out of fear because they go, well, if we don't, then people will feel less connected. And I think it's something to consider. I think we need to start making some tough decisions if we're going to reclaim the Sabbath in our culture. Or is it based on the numbers that they can add to the attendance. You look at how many people are, are online streaming. You can see the count, how many people are engaging and watching. Right. All of a sudden, that's another quote-unquote service that yeah. you can add to the numbers. And does that boost the bottom line? Yeah, and, we've de and I know a lot of churches, 
you know, they've defined, well, we have our online congregation. And I can just tell you, man, I just don't believe in that. I just don't believe that that you're not a part of something unless you're there. And, and just by watching something, that'd be like saying, well, all my YouTube followers, we're all part of the same community. No, that doesn't work that way. You're not, <laughs> you're just, you just watch the same thing. And it's, it's that consumerism. And I think, you know, we're, we're getting a little off track, but I, I do think that that consumerism, um, a lot of pastors complain, well, my people aren't committed. I think it's because we fed the beast. I think it's, I think it lies at the fault of, of those of us that lead churches because we've led with fear. We've led with, well, our, we got to boost our numbers. That's fear. What you just said, Jason's fear. Like, well, you know, we're going to add more to our numbers because we don't want to look lower because we're afraid. Or Barna changing from two weeks a month to one week a month, that's boosting the numbers. That's not yeah. equal in my mind. Yeah. If you look right. at uh, comparatively to what a regular attender of church is, twice a month and then all of a sudden once a month it's it's you're getting similar numbers but it's not in my mind equal that's right and so i think you know with these questions we're asking what we're finding is when we start asking these questions about sabbath it comes out in these sometimes small but significant decisions like live streaming or what when is my tea time what do i do when i stayed up late because i was out traveling and the next one um what about church staff? So when does church staff get a Sabbath? This is a tricky one. This doesn't apply to all of us listening, but if you're on a church staff, you know the dilemma that that we've all faced that have, that have been in that profession is, <clears throat> well, when everyone else is resting, I'm working, and this isn't time off for me. This is actually work. This is my prime time of the week. You're producing. You right. have to produce for everybody else. So what do I do? And I think... You know, there are ways you can accommodate for that. For me, it was always, um, you know, taking Friday off. I was a Sunday through Thursday for most of my pastoral career. And then Friday and Saturday were the days off that I had. And I think I think that's important um, to consider what can you do to uh, compensate for the work schedule that you have. You might be in the service industry and like you don't have an option to have Sundays off. But what are you doing? to worship and to rest on a day off regularly. So the question is, can I take a Sabbath on another day, not Sunday? Which is a good question to be to be asked. You know, in the last episode, we talked about who moved the Sabbath. The Sabbath today in, in Jewish culture is still Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. But then it got moved. We talked about that. If you want to know more, you can go back to the last episode. But it moved to Sunday, even though... On our calendars, it still says the first day of the week is Sunday, and the and the seventh day is Saturday. On our calendars, you look at it. You can all, I can picture in my mind that you know Sunday is always on the left, Saturday is always on the right as the last day. But we treat Sunday as the last day of the week culturally. So so there's a lot out there. To me, I think you can really get caught up in that. To some people, that's a lot more important than others. Seventh Day Adventists, that's a that's a big deal for them. And I get it. I I think for me, I approach that and go okay. Let's just make sure we're disciplined and regularly practicing a day off every seven days, whatever that is. Yeah, I think when you still look at six days of work and producing and and being able to take one day away, you can get so caught up in the legalism of it has to be on Sunday that for those who work at a church on staff, Sunday doesn't work. And then all of a sudden, where do you play? It's like, so for anybody 
being able to still take a day off. And like you said, the discipline of removing, not just a shift and go, this works for me. And then it shifts over here to this day. And then, then all of a sudden you start to compromise that day because this to do is on your list or this scheduled, uh, deadline is, is looming. So you have to work on that and you start shifting around. It's like, the discipline of taking a regular day off each week is important, whether it lies on Sundays. Travel leagues. What about travel leagues? That's the next question. And that is, to me, that's the million dollar question in ministry right now with, with, with entire congregations, but family and student next gen ministry. It is a huge, huge topic. It's a, it's a pretty big dilemma. And, what do we do about travel leagues? Travel leagues are dominating our culture in many segments. They um, economically, there there's so much happening around travel leagues. Travel leagues, you know, picked up, started to really gain momentum about 20 years ago, and now it's kind of a foregone conclusion. If you want to play um, JV, maybe, but especially if you want to play high school varsity sports. It's almost impossible to do that unless you're in some kind of outside league. They're picking the players traveling. from that travel league, most likely. That's where of, scouts are. Yep. It's where things are happening. That's where you get noticed. And uh, I want to say this at the outset. Listen, um, if you're a parent, your child is probably not going to go to the WNBA, to the NBA, or to the NFL. I'm just saying. the The chances are so... Slim of that, and I'm not saying that to be a Debbie Downer or to, you know, to be judgmental. I'm just saying I think we place so much hope in that and scholarships and all that, and it just rarely works out. And I've seen so many parents look back and they've said, I gave and sacrificed so much for that, and I did it for this reason, for scholarships or thinking that they might really make it and they didn't. Now, some do it just because it's a cultural thing or they want to involve. I get it. There's a lot of good things. And I want to be clear, I've got uh, especially a dear friend of mine thinking about that. He's a big sports guy. He's a friend of ours. And, uh, you know, he asked me once, man, why are you bagging on sports all the time? And I'm like, dude, you, I mean, I love sports. I'm wearing Indiana Pacers hat right now. You are. Um, even though they lost last night in their season no opener. I yeah, I, know. One, I don't even want to talk about it. But, um, you know, you're Spartans. I mean, yeah, we yeah, love, I we love sports. Yeah, yeah. We love sports. I follow sports very closely. But I think it's... It's become something more than it should. And I'm just saying, like, I can't tell you the number of families I know and ministries I know that have been affected because some of the best and brightest students are rarely, if ever, in their youth ministries and churches because they're gone in travel leagues. They're compromising the time. They're compromising saying, well, I'm going to live vicariously through my child and hopes that they can accomplish what I didn't accomplish. So I am going to send them through this travel league and now I'm going to compromise my days of rest and fill up my entire weekend so that they can try to have fun playing a sport that I put them in. And, and I will say this, like, I know we're sounding like we're, we're like on our um, soapboxes here and we are a little bit, but, but I will tell you personally, uh, having three daughters, all of them being involved in sports, uh, all of them two sport athletes. In fact, uh, I remember, our middle daughter, she really was good at volleyball, and uh, so she was working her way up. We signed up for a league, and we asked, um, hey, when does this league meet? Is it on Saturdays or Sundays? It was a local league, 
And she and the person said, well, we can't really tell you until you sign up. It depends on what team you're in. So we felt a little kind of hamstrung by that to begin with. So we got her in this league. She ended up a lot of the games around Sunday morning. It was a time when I was, you know, doing this and I wasn't a local church pastor as I'd been in the past. I found myself one Sunday morning sitting in a gym. It was like 1030, 11, I think it was 11 o'clock. Cause I remember looking at my watch saying, okay, Service is starting at my church. And I looked around, and it was like an epiphany for me. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm sitting in a gym on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. I cannot believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this. And when that league was over, you know, we had a family meeting, and I said, we're not doing that anymore. And, and I don't care what the ramifications are for your high school career. And it negatively I- impacted her volleyball career. It did. Um and, and we had to walk through that as a family, but it was a statement that I felt like I had to make as a parent to say, this is a stand that we need to take for us. And I think, and I just want to challenge you as a parent, a leader listening to this, you know, we can come in as sometimes as pastors really hot and heavy on this and very judgmental. And I think we need to call out things that are wrong when we see them. I think we need to be prophetic. But I think we have to also be uh, compassionate and careful and um, and allow people to, we need to speak truth, but allow them to see it. I think travel leagues, in my opinion, for the most part, have, have brought great detriment to local churches. And it's not that I'm against travel leagues, but I'm against the way they are. And I've often wondered, what if enough parents just said, we're not going to do a league if it's gone on Sundays. We'll do a Friday night, Saturday thing, but we're not doing Sundays. I think if enough people... I think that's where culture comes in. I think we can surrender to culture and bow to it, or we can create it. That reminds me of an incident where there was enough football players wanting to go to NTS camp. Yeah. That the coach changed the week of camp for their football team to another week because he said there's enough players that want to go to this camp through the church, and yeah. so we're going to change. Instead of saying, well, sorry, you're going to miss out, it was changing the culture. And it started with one student I remember in particular. Yeah. The, one of the better players, if not the best player on the team, went to the coach and said, listen, I'm I'm going to this camp. It means a lot to me. And however that affects me, it affects me. And he got enough other guys that right. follow him. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So what about, um, what about digital Sabbath? Yeah, I mean, if you are taking a rest and you are on your phone – and is it restful? Is it something that you are engaged in seeing how many emails come through, how many texts come through, the demands of your attention is averted to all that happens on a smartphone or even online? You know, is is that necessary? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like it's like an alcoholic hanging out in a bar. I think with our phones, like is it is it wrong inherently for an alcoholic to be inside the walls of a bar? No. Right. Is it dangerous? Is it put them in a compromising situation? Of course. I think the same thing with our phones. If you know that you cannot pick up your phone and you're maybe if your email is just bouncing in all the time and you don't, you know, have I do my email to where it's push. I only want it when I look for it. But um, but if you know that you can't control yourself, you got to put it away. I've come across a an article that said millennials can't relax due to phone addiction 
Now, of course, we're in a day and age to bash millennials. It's, it's, it's necessary, right? It's like, why not? It's the generation that we bash right now. So they, they target millennials. And this, this article was saying that six in 10 admitted that they never truly relax due to their obsession with their phones, which stems from personal or work emails or text messaging. The smartphone obsession forced one-tenth to say that their needy phone checking makes it difficult for them to go longer than 10 minutes without being glued to their phones. Yeah. So you can't relax. But it's more troubling in how 9 in 10 of respondents open their phone for the sake of opening their phone, even if they don't have any unread messages or have any need to check their phone. And so this obsession that that I have to keep coming to, coming to the phone, opening it up, checking it, and are you truly relaxed in those those times? Yeah, it can be very obviously addictive and something to consider because if if we're defining Sabbath, one of the ways we're defining as a no load day, what does it look like to to just get away from the load that we carry? Emails, even the load of social media and right. that whole world of feeling you know okay, I got to get enough likes and. You're thinking about what can I post, even if you're not going to do it on Sunday or your Sabbath, I'll do it tomorrow. And you're thinking about it already. I think there's something about a mental and even social rest as well. Are you relaxing when you are anxious and are you anxious when you look at social media? And if that's the case, then maybe that that need for a, a Sabbath, a digital Sabbath is necessary. Yeah. So we've been talking about this Sabbath. It really means to rest from anything that we count as work. And to do, you know, that in our lives, which allows restoration. And we we asked students, Jason, what they, what their thoughts were on Sabbath. You know, we we can always look at this from adults and say this is what we think students are thinking. But we asked students themselves some questions. The first one was, which of the following fits your definition of quote unquote Sabbath? So we had different um, options here: day off when I don't do anything, a day off when I do things that are fun to me. A day off when I focus on God, a day off when I do things that are restful, and I don't know. Now, I don't know, 24% of students said, I don't know what a Sabbath is. So one in four of the students in your youth group don't really know how to define it. The highest answer was 33%, one in three, saying, a Sabbath, in my definition, is a day off when I focus on God. See, I look at that, and I also then think they don't have a clear understanding when they are only focused on God, it's like, it goes back to the thought of, do I have to spend 12 hours in prayer and that's all I do for my Sabbath? And then it's like, well, if that's the case, then I don't want to do that. It's, it's more about being restful, disconnecting from work. You worship God, you focus on God, but it's, it's doing things that are going to restore your, your body and restore your soul. And so, 23%, 24% said a day off when I do things that are restful. So that another fourth is saying that's my definition of a Sabbath. So we want to mention this. If you want access to our research, now this research we're talking about today won't be released for a few months, but we have our 2019-2020 trend report, and that's available at neverthesame.org slash trend report. That also has um, video content in there that you can use with your volunteer or ministry staff or even with parents to to follow along with some of this data. So we talked to them about their definition of Sabbath. We also said, how often do you practice 
a Sabbath. So the options were regularly, which is once a week, often once to twice a month, sometimes every few months, rarely or never. And number one answer, how often do you practice the Sabbath? This is pretty wild. Never was the number one answer for students. Students answered 27%. I never practice the Sabbath. Yeah, and, and practically it's like 27.8%. So roughly 28% of students are saying, I never really practice a Sabbath in my life. Now there is some encouragement where 25% say I regularly practice the Sabbath, which is one time a week. So that's the second top answer, but it still is striking that a, more than a quarter of the students are saying I never practice, which goes back to a quarter of the students don't know what a Sabbath is. So maybe there's a disconnect between one question to the next and they needed they needed a full definition of what the Sabbath is. And then they were like, oh, okay, now I understand what it is, so I should practice that. And if you're not picking this up for as a youth worker right now, we're going to get to it at the end here, but we're going to lead into what this means for us, what we need to be thinking about and doing as a result of this data. So of the topics below, which one would you like to know more about? And these are all Sabbath-related. We asked them, uh, of, of these topics, what do you want to know more about? First option was, what is a Sabbath? Second one, is it possible to have it? The third option was, what are some ways I can start practicing it? Fourth one was, why is it important? And then the last one was, I don't have any questions about it. Number one response is, what are the ways that I can start practicing a Sabbath? 27% of students said, I want to start doing it. I want to learn some ways to start practicing it. So that's something that as those who are listening and are in investing in the lives of students and going, we have to show ways how to practice a Sabbath. That means taking what we've discussed in this episode, the last episode, looking at what work is versus what rest is and implementing, how does it look in the life of a student? You know, you, you we've asked some questions earlier in this episode about Sundays and what about travel leagues and even homework, you know, Doing homework on Sundays, is that something that we should shift and encourage students to do on Saturdays or Friday nights, you know? And and so the students want to know, the majority are saying, I want to know some ways that I can practice a Sabbath. The other, the a close second to that at 24%, students said, what is it? Define it for me. And so between defining it and how do we do it, that's over half of the students in your youth group are saying, I want to know what a Sabbath is, and I want to know what I can do to practice it. And chances are, even if they come from families where they're believers, their parents are guardians, they may not be practicing a Sabbath. So this might be a very countercultural thing in their own family, but I think we need to address it, start talking about what it is, and what do we do with it. Then the last question we ask is, uh, I have adults in my life that practice a regular Sabbath. That was a statement. And it was, yes, I know a lot. I know a few, no, or I don't know. And this this was kind of spread out. But what I thought was interesting, number one answer was 36% said, I don't know if there are adults in my life that practice Sabbath. And here's what, to me, that says, that they probably don't. Because a Sabbath is, again, so countercultural. If someone was disciplined in their practice of a Sabbath, students would know about it. And I think students would question 
the adults that are doing something counterculture and say, why are you not doing what most people typically do? And then that would be an opportunity for the adult to say, I'm observing a Sabbath. And then that would also then cause the student to go, what is a Sabbath? And then it would cause the adult to be able to define a Sabbath for the student. And then they would be able to know what a Sabbath is. And so it, it goes back and forth. So what the numbers are saying here is that about Students are saying no or I don't know. That's about 55% of students are saying, do I have adults that practice Sabbath? Either I don't know or no. That's over a little over half. 45% are saying, yes, I know some or a few, many or a few. And so more than half are saying no or I'm not aware of any that, that do it. And that says something, I think, about us as adults that work with students, whether we might be parents, because parents are in this, we're adults, or youth workers and pastors, are we doing this as an example before our students? So let's bring it down to some practical things, Jason. As youth workers, as parents, specifically youth workers, what can we do to provide handles for this as youth workers to help students and families with Sabbath? I think going back to what I mentioned even earlier about the homework aspect, if there's something that has to be done for a school, for your job, you have to be disciplined enough to say, this needs to be done before this day. And as a parent, you're leading your family. And if you are saying, we're going to take the Saturday morning, instead of turning on the TV or running out to do something, run errands, we're going to take the time to make sure that our homework and our work is done to prepare for the Sabbath. That's ultimately what God's people did in the, the Old Testament. They prepared for that day off. So they got everything done in that six days, did a little bit extra on the day before the Sabbath so that they could take that day off because they were prepared. I want to encourage you in one of your youth meetings coming up, and let me be specific. If you're listening to this as this airs or close, within the next couple months before Christmas or within the next couple months when you're listening to this, whenever that might be, and you're a youth worker and you have maybe the, the the latitude to do this, talk about it in a youth group setting with students. Talk about it openly and say, we're going to talk about what Sabbath is. You know, our last episode, we kind of defined it. You can use that as a guide. There's obviously lots of information out there. But do a little bit of your homework. Talk about what a Sabbath is. And then I would encourage you to do this. And this was where it would be really interesting to me, is give some information to your students to take home and have that discussion with their parents. And maybe give them um, some kind of questionnaire, a couple questions. Give it to them and say, go home and ask these questions. Have a, have a meal or a, or a family discussion about Sabbath around these questions. And that's where I think it really might get real. Because, you know, I'll say this about being a parent. Parents are bombarded. I talk to youth workers all the time. They go, I can never hear from parents. They never respond. I send out emails. I send out texts. I send out social media about what we're doing, and I never hear anything back. Here's what I say, and you'll notice this. When you have parent meetings with at elementary schools, the parking lot's packed. In fact, you have to, a lot of times you have, there's no room to park, and you got to walk in. You go to middle school parent meetings, there's like a third of the parents there, and you go to high school parent meetings, there's like 10%. And parents are just when when you're parents of, of students that age, you're just overwhelmed, you're bombarded. And so I don't want this to be a thing where we need to beat up on parents and say, 
you're killing your kids, you're not doing Sabbath. I think we need to just get it out there and let's start talking about it. Do a, some youth group teaching. Try to open up a, a discussion or dialogue between students and parents. Maybe you want to have a parent meeting about it. But I'll say this to close. We talked about stress and anxiety in the last two episodes before these about Sabbath. I think there's a direct link here. I think that when we're talking about a lack of Sabbath, there's no question in my mind that one of the major contributing factors to the level of stress, anxiety, and depression, a major factor is a lack of Sabbath. I really believe it. I see the signs. I see how stressed out students are. And we need to be their protectors. And one of the ways we can do that is by addressing this issue of Sabbath in the life of students. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.